Hello and welcome to this special episode of Bang to Write. My name's Pete Murray. I'm a lecturer in multimedia journalism here at Manchester Metropolitan University. I'm joined here in the studio by my colleagues Deborah Linton. Hi, Deborah. Hi. And by Jeremy Craddock. Hi, Jez. Hi, Pete. Now, we're recording today, buckle up, because we're recording today at lunchtime on a Tuesday, because just over two hours ago, the UK Supreme Court ruled that Boris Johnson's decision to suspend Parliament was unlawful. Now, we're literally in uncharted political territory. Um, what a time to be alive, Deborah said to me a little while ago. It, uh, some might say, but one or two senior politicians and their advisors might be wishing they were dead. Now, normally, I have a script at this point to guide me through the choppy waters of what happens in Bang to Rights, but um, just kind of, I'm just going to throw it open. Um, a couple of things that I do want to look at. I want to look at the decision, and Jez, we'll come to you in just a sec on mm. that, but I also want to look at some of the coverage of the story today, but also kind of maybe looking back over the last week or so um, about what's uh, what's been said about this and where people think it's going to go and mm. kind of how law stories kind of make it onto the mainstream and so on. But first of all, the judgment, which I have here, 25 pages, took uh, Brenda Hale about, what, 15 minutes or so to deliver it? Mm. Um, Jez, what's, what did she have to say? Well, she's essentially um, ruled that uh, Boris Johnson acted unlawfully in proroguing Parliament. Um, the quote that stood out was that um, this this effect of suspending Parliament um, it had the effect on the f fundamentals of democracy were extreme. So um, essentially, it's it's not allowed Parliament to discuss Brexit effectively and then taking it forward. Um, and that's pretty much in line with the decision from the court of session. So yes. we need to remember there's four different jurisdictions involved yes. here, aren't there? So there's a court of session, the senior Scottish court, there's a high court in London, there's the Welsh Assembly government, and then there's representatives of the victims of the troubles in Northern Ireland. So mm. four different cases going on effectively. Yes. And the two appeals, of course, the and Gina the, Miller yeah. appeal against the English High Court, um, that... Um, it was a political matter rather yeah. than a legal matter, and then obviously the yeah. the Scottish uh, judges saying that it wasn't lawful. And so, by and large, very broadly, we can probably say that the the Supreme Court has sided with the court of session essentially mm. to say that yes. yeah, this was a move to stop Parliament debating Brexit. Yes, basically, yeah. I suppose it's a consequence of having an unwritten constitution that it's so unclear, you know, how to how to. Um, De, you know, define this that it's it's led to this this ultimate outcome, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think um, looking at um, the judgment, you know, that whole issue of we don't have a written constitution. Mm. Um, it's probably appropriate that we're unscripted today, given <laughs> we, we don't have a constitution <laughs> yeah. either. Like yeah. They've been unscripted too, yeah. and that's kind of the whole thing. But you know, I was looking through and thinking back to my old law degree days and thinking all these fundamentals of our constitution were under consideration in this case parliamentary sovereignty separation of powers um, mm. ministerial accountability everything had a part to play and was considered in this judgment so you know when you talk about uncharted territories um, but interesting that through those uncharted territories like you say everything has come aligned these judgments have reached the same conclusions yeah and and so the Anything else uh, in the judgment particularly? Let's just stick with the judgment, 25 pages of it, as I said. Anything else in there that you think we need to call attention to at this stage? Well, I suppose it, it essentially means that uh, with Boris Johnson acting unlawfully, it means that his advice to the Queen was unlawful and essentially Parliament is still in session. Prorogation hasn't happened. So um, 
this means that I think John Burko said that Parliament has to be recalled immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to sit tomorrow. Tomorrow, they're due to start. Yeah. So as I said, we're recording at lunchtime on on Tuesday. Um, by this time tomorrow, I think eleven thirty, Parliament's due. To, uh, the House of Commons is due to resume. Um, I've just seen uh, Lord Fowler, who's the Lord Speaker for the House of Lords. Norman Fowler's just said that he's going to contact various people for the House of Lords and that they will resume their sitting as uh, kind of as soon as possible. So. Um, yeah, so we'll be kind of normal business will be normal service will be resumed really uh, from tomorrow, but it's not normal at all. <laughs> no. None of this is normal. I think something I thought was interesting in the um, judgment as well was where they sort of spelled out what Jez just touched on, the, ex the effect that this unlawful proguing had had um, in terms of... Um, an unlawful effect, she said, of frustrating or preventing Parliament's ability to perform its legislative function without reasonable justification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we we've got to all of that place, and and obviously the immediate de the immediate decision, the immediate aftermath of the decision. There's a whole lot of um, stuff on various news outlets. Um, everything from. A, a profile of Ber Brenda Hale in the in the Financial Times, a host of reader comments in the in the Guardian, um, the Sun quoting gloating EU bosses reacting with glee to the decision. What have you been able to? What have you been able to see from the kind of immediate coverage and reactions to it in the last couple of hours? I um, I was reading um, Clive Coleman, the, the BBC's legal correspondent. He was his uh, top line was something like. Wow, you know, and they said this uh, is called this uh, this judgment legal, constitutional, and political dynamite. <laughs> so th these are experienced and some might say jaded political journalists who are acting like young children in a toy shop, you know, because yeah. they've never seen anything like this before. Um, so yeah, it's unprecedented, isn't it? And I mean, yeah. So the CNN, for example, has got a live blog that they're running on this, which they normally only they would normally know have something on this for, you know, a, a war or mm. American politics. But yes. they've got a live blog running with several different threads at the minute, um, just on this. So it's obviously kind of well, literally global impact by the yeah. looks of it. They probably can't believe that uh, what Britain's doing to itself at the moment, particularly in, in Westminster. Yeah, yeah are people know? watching out of kind of, obviously, no question it has global impact, but also are people, are we just like some sort of horror show that people are watching? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's interesting how journalists respond. I actually think there's something with, you know, with an event like this where that authenticity of a journalist's own, you know, wow, this is unbelievable. What yes. are we seeing? Dissecting it in front of you yeah. um, is something that you have to go along with. I think, you know, we can't pretend that we know what's coming next as, as journalists. So our, our job here is mm. to just authentically with people guide them through these things as they're coming and as they're hitting. Yeah. So when yeah. you see someone reacting like you say, like a kid in a toy shop, it's kind of exciting times to be yes, reporting yeah. on, isn't it? And, you know, when you watch, particularly with uh, broadcast uh, news, you, you look to people like Laura Koonsberg and Robert Peston, they have their fingers on the pulse. They, they're usually asked to say, how do you think this is going to develop? And they quite often speak with authority and they know where it's going to go. They've kind of ripped up their scripts as well, haven't they? Yeah. And just go with it and, you know, report it as it happens and 
you know, marvel at what's happening, really. It has been fascinating to watch how the likes of Clive Coleman at the BBC, David Alan Green at the Financial Times as well, have been kind of they're promoted to sort of superstars of coverage, mm. you know, and they, they become the, the, the people, that, the, 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 the names and the faces that people yes. see on television and so on. I mean, David Alan Green, um, who I've been following on Twitter pretty much since the, the first day I went on to Twitter, but he's really come into his own. He's, uh, a couple of minutes ago on Twitter, he said, the record to date of Boris Johnson as Prime Minister lost a by-election, lost his majority, <laughs> lost control of common business, lost the humble address, lost every Commons vote, lost the Scots appeal case, lost witness statement, lost Supreme Court case 11 to nil, uh, lost absolute PM prerogative power over prorogation. So there's well, there kind go. of some of the signposts. He's taken a complex set of events and condensed and it into... And condensed them into a series of short sentences. And, and actually, yeah. I actually think, you know, in these times, that is what makes good journalists mm. stand out, and that's where that's why they become sort of superstars. Is they you know take on this kind of commentary role, mm. whereby we need people who are really quickly digesting this mad, mad world. And I was interested in the the sorry just about in for a second. Yeah, sure. I was interested in the Sun's coverage. The Sun obviously very strongly in favour of of uh, the referendum happening and then Brexit mm. and so on, and very very critical of of the way that this process has gone over the last couple of weeks. Actually, on their website, they've got they've got a long long story that goes on for you know page after mm. page. But you know, apart from apart from that that gloating EU bosses kind of delight in this decision. It was pretty fair and pretty balanced. I mean, just laying out mm. what was there, what what Lady Hale had said, immediate kind of political reactions, and uh, not actually that much editorialising at this stage. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in the paper Which tomorrow. Which is really yes. important. Yeah. Uh, you mm. know, there's, there's space for editorialising tomorrow, but as an instant, as a knee-jerk reaction... I think you'd be in dangerous mm. territory trying to do yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nobody knows which way public opinion is going yeah. to go and and what the mood is. But um, I, I've been interested to see how Brexit cast has been given, you know, mainstream um, TV yeah. slot on a on a Thursday night. You know, the fact that now people are keen to watch four journalists in the sort of setting we're in at the moment, just talking and chewing over. Brexit is just shows you how fascinated people are with it. And one of the other interesting elements of this is the live stream from the Supreme Court. Yes. Um, in the past, normally, the, the number of people who would watch a live stream is in the hundreds. This mm. case, has been, people watching has been in the millions. And today I tried to get onto the live stream when uh, Lady Hill was making the announcement and it crashed. I couldn't get onto it. Wow. So yeah, the, that that's interesting that people... You know, people might be watching live news, but now people are actually watching the, no, the Parliament channel well, and, and this same, stuff as that's well. That's it, yeah. with what we've seen with the with um, BBC Parliament over the mm. past few weeks and the last couple of months. Um, you know, people tuning in to kind of have it on the way they would do, say, sky breaking news or something. Yes. But just going yeah. back to what you were saying about, about Brexit cast, which has become a massive hit for the BBC. Yes. The number of downloads yeah. that they're getting is, has gone through the, the roof. Um, I've, I, I took part in a survey because I, I, because I do podcasting with the, the, the third year undergrads. I've been looking at the numbers of, of some podcasts and actually kind of political podcasts. The uptake for that has historically been extremely low. Mm. Um, and this is in the UK. And there was a survey that was run by the... Um, the Talking Politics podcast, or run through them rather, that looked at this, and the numbers are actually people like me, white guys, are the the sorts of people who listen to 
political podcasts. Brexit cast has to some extent been an exception because of the, the profile of the presenters. So you've got mm. Katya Adler and Laura Koonsberg and their, their kind of witty exchanges and the kind of lighthearted attitude that they have towards it and the way that they try to unpack this stuff and make it uh, understandable, comprehensible to the public. That's kind of really, that's really taken off. And I think that's quite an interesting development over that broader media landscape that politics podcasts are now much more of a an kind of established part of the the uh, the environment the ecology yeah and i think they're part of a, an established part now of making sense of things you know where mm. are you going to turn if you need to make sense of things well i'll turn to informed people talking through it and people who can talk to me on a platform where i want to be and they can talk like i talk to someone and and mm. i think that's why i i think the whole point is people haven't known where to turn for that so mm. um that doesn't surprise me at all hearing those stats what do you think has been the the best the most comprehensible coverage of this last couple of weeks that you you've seen or heard or, or read um i mean i i, I tend to i suppose from time constraints I, I tend to look to the main you know to the bbc look to I, itn um the guardian so so maybe I'm not as wide ranging as perhaps yourself, um, but um, if if you want your Brexit fix, if you want your Boris Johnson fix, it's there to be had, isn't it? And um, you know all the supplementary shows you can get on the BBC, the politics show, um, even like the North West uh, coverage. Mm-hmm. There's certainly lots to be had if you want to go for it. Yeah, you know. Um, I think it's been it's been fascinating for me last week during the sessions um, to be watching the live feed. And to be and to have Twitter open at the same time, and you know, like I mentioned, I'm following Clive Coleman and David Allen Green and all these other people, and to watch their comments. It's a little bit like the old cliche of being live at the at Old Trafford and having Test Match Special on <laughs> the radio, so you've kind of got a live explanation of what you're seeing in front mm. of your face, and that's been quite that's been very useful. Listen, listening and watching yeah, the sessions it's almost happen. become like a, a, a national sport and, and what you were saying before Deborah about um, the way journalists are covering it now it's almost like we're becoming sports pundits and that, that, that <laughs> that's a really what, good point what you read out before about Boris Johnson all the things he's lost if that was a football manager if that was Jose Mourinho he'd out wouldn't he you yeah, know he so would. you know the way we're having to cover it as journalists mm. and the way that we're having to respond to it and make sense of it you're right it is like it is yeah. like tracking a sport and that sport thing we were having a laugh just before yeah. we put the came on to record <laughs> um this is from football joe on twitter he's got the house of commons with the speaker up at the back and the four tellers in front of him and a VAR screen up at the back in front behind the speaker's chair. Uh, VAR decision overturned. I <laughs> mean, if that's not a perfect depiction of sign of the times, kind of our yes. British but, sports of football and politics, then yes. what is? Yeah. Um, shall we leave it at that? Yeah, I, um, I mean, there's, there probably is plenty more that we could we could say. I think we've we've covered some of the ground that I wanted to. I think yeah. we we will probably be back later in the week because, as we mentioned, we've got uh, we've got a, a podcast guest for this week. But I'm I'm tempted. We'll, we'll leave it at that um, because there will be more, and we can have a look at some of the more detailed written coverage perhaps and see how the newspapers mm. get to that kind of more editorializing editorializing part of it but uh, um 
Before we go, do remember you can subscribe to Bang to Rights on Apple Podcasts and of course you'll find us on Stitcher or you can search for Bang to Rights on the MMU Northern Quota SoundCloud feed. That's all one word, MMU Northern Quota. If you've got a view on any of the stuff that we've been talking about, please let us know on Twitter at Rights Bang if there are topics or issues which you want to cover in future editions. We have been Bang to Rights. Thanks very much, Deborah. Thank you. Thanks, Jez. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, uh, thanks to you for, for tuning in and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon.